0: Hey guys we're so glad you're tuning into the apex students podcast we hope you enjoy this message from apex students and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like jesus if i were to ask you this question if i were to ask you who you look up to would would, would a face pop into your head like right away if i asked you who who are some people that you look up to i don't need you to say them out loud but think about it. put put those faces in your head Because I think everybody has somebody that comes to mind pretty much automatically. It may be a parent or a teacher or coach, a mentor, or even a friend. Um, People that you look up to. For some people, it might be a YouTuber or an athlete or a movie star, director. Hopefully, Jesus crosses your mind at some point. (laughs) Hopefully, that was one of the faces. (laughs) It's natural for us to follow people, for us to uh, put people, you know, on a pedestal sometimes and, and look at them and say, that's what I want my life to look like someday. I want myself to look like that someday. We start to uh, model our lives after them. And that it's, it means it's really important for us to like pick those people carefully, for us to, sometimes we put too much pressure on these people, but it's important that we, we pick those people carefully to look at a life and say, I actually want that to be what my life looks like someday. Um, and to make sure that that life that you're looking at is someone that is going to lead you into being more and more like Jesus. We often, in this room, as we enter this part of the teaching, uh, we will talk about a person in the Bible and we will look at their good or bad example and then kind of see how that impacts our lives and how we should follow them. We did that last week, right, with Deborah and uh, Barak and Jael. And uh, we, we do it a lot with Jesus, Right. We'll talk in here about something Jesus did, and we'll say, that is what we need to do. And that's a very true thing. But tonight, we're going to look at someone, the example that someone sets. um, And this person is about as close to Jesus as you can get without actually being Jesus. Um, And I won't ask, but I'm interested in your... No, I will ask. Okay, the person close... And and you might disagree with this, but it's a person, I think, as close as you can get to Jesus without being Jesus. Does anyone know who it is? Staff, you've probably looked at the, the small group questions, but anyone have a guess? We did some guessing last week and I enjoyed it a whole lot. Does anyone know? Who? There's like 18 of them. Which one? That's it. John the Baptist. Great job. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Cause there was also a John, one of his disciples that was like really close to Jesus. There's a portion he calls himself when he writes about himself, the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good move. Uh, anyway, that doesn't matter. Tonight we're talking about John the Baptist, super close to Jesus. He's an important figure in the story of Jesus, and I will let him introduce himself. He was being questioned by Jewish leaders in uh, John, different John. Uh, John recorded the events of the life of Jesus in John 1, 19 through 23. He said this about uh, this, this uh, event with John the Baptist. Oh, let me do this. I probably am behind all my slides here. Yeah, there's nothing up there. I'm going to John 1. 19 through 23. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well, then, who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we were expecting? No. Then, who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied, In the words of the prophet Isaiah. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord is coming. So when, when John was asked, who are you? He replied with somebody else's words. He replied um, with the words of Isaiah, who is a prophet who lived many, many years before John the Baptist lived. And that's because Isaiah, in Isaiah 40, 40, verse 3, he talked about someone who had come before Jesus. And this person was to be the holy hype man. John the the Baptist said, you know, that that guy that was going to come before Jesus and said, Jesus is coming? It's me. I'm that guy. (laughs) Thousands of years. I I shouldn't say thousands. Many, many years, because I I don't know the exact number. I'd be guessing. But many, many years before John the Baptist, they said, there's going to be a person that comes before Jesus. And John the Baptist says, it me. So we're in this uh, little two-week baby series, and this series is called Be Brave. And tonight, we're going to talk about three ways that John the Baptist modeled bravery for us. Last week, we talked about Deborah and Jael, and uh, they showed us how we need to be brave enough to do the scary thing, to be brave enough to do the scary thing. Tonight, we're talking about John the Baptist, following his example, to be brave enough to do the right thing. Be brave enough to do the right thing. We're going to see uh, John the Baptist, how John the Baptist lived that out a bunch of times. The book of Matthew uh, records the events around Jesus' birth in Matthew chapters 1 and 2. And then in chapter 3, we we see this big fast forward, and we go like 30 years in the future, and Jesus is a grown-up. So in Matthew 3, we're going to go through this whole chapter. Very exciting. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 first. We see the same prophecy that is mentioned before about Isaiah. Isaiah. This is what it says. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. Now that's two people that as they're recording John the Baptist's life, when they're recording Jesus's life and how it intersected with John the Baptist, two people said, Remember when Isaiah said, This is that guy. John's clothes, okay, he's kind of a weirdo. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. That's fine. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Thus, John the Baptist. And the point of this prophecy that Isaiah is, is mentioning here, it, it's something that John completely embodied. This is, this is his role, his job in the kingdom. And John the Baptist, is one of the ways that he showed us bravery. John the Baptist bravely spoke about Jesus. He bravely spoke about Jesus. That was his job, that is what he did. Um, so we're gonna rewind a little bit. And the beginning of John the Baptist's life, because there's a little fun fact John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin. Super important. Their mothers were pregnant at about the same time. Um, so when Jesus' mom, Mary, visited her sister, Elizabeth, John's mom, you with me? With this family tree? Great. So uh, Luke one forty one says, At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So like, even in the womb, he was the hype man for Jesus. <laughs> even in the womb... He was the holy hype man. And then as an adult, he continued to do that and took that job very, very seriously. So in fact, he went out into the wilderness to prepare and he ate bugs and made his own clothes. And uh, to prepare for this job, Luke one eighty says that John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. So he went into isolation where there'd be no distraction so that he would be able to work on himself, so that he'd be able to grow spiritually. He took serious care of his job uh, as the holy hype man. Great example already. He he went into a place where there'd be no distractions so that he could grow spiritually. I think I mentioned um, last week to shut your mouth uh, when you're listening for God right? And John did this. When when you're trying to tune into God's voice, you're going to have to tune out of some other voices, other distractions. So as John was speaking about Jesus, he was not always calling good things good. Sometimes when you're speaking about Jesus, you call good things good. Other times you are calling bad things bad. And uh, this is an important part of what John the Baptist did. And I think we see a lot of this right now in the news with church people, a lot of calling things bad. Many times calling bad things bad, but just sometimes calling things bad. And uh, I really think we have to be careful with this because when we're calling bad things bad, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to teach us what the bad things are and not get confused about what the bad things are. So John gives us a good example here because when he's, he's accusing Jewish leaders here of not relying on God, that's the most basic bad thing. (laughs) Like if you are a leader, a spiritual leader, and you are not relying on God, not believing in Jesus to take care of you, you're doing a bad thing. So it's a safe one to call out right after uh, they were interrogating John about who he was, right? And they said, who are you? Are you Jesus? Are you Elijah? Are you any of these things? Tell us. We got to know. Right after that, it says in Matthew 3, 7 through 12. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say it to each other. We're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe, uh, even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees, Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater, that I'm not even worthy, uh, not even, not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. You guys got your winnowing forks tonight? Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Goo, kind of a drama queen, John the Baptist. Um, and he's, he, he goes on this, you know, big, this is a, uh, an illustration, basically, a farming illustration that we often miss. But he's saying there is somebody coming, and if you do not rely on this guy, you're going to miss it. If you are not relying on, he's calling bad things bad. If you are not relying on God, you are in trouble. He knew it was a risk by calling out the Jewish leaders, but it was a risk he was brave enough to take because he was brave enough to, do the, to the, do the right thing. John was brave enough to do the right thing. He knew his message was important truth. And it was urgent that that truth be told, that he would call bad things bad, call good things good. That was his role. Another great example. Not only did John the Baptist speak bravely, but he also bravely served Jesus. John the Baptist bravely served Jesus. He served even when it was uncomfortable for him to serve, (laughs) even when it was difficult and unappealing for him to serve. Do you guys encounter a lot of first world problems? The answer is yes, <laughs> if you don't know. Uh, if you're not familiar with this idea of a first world problem, here are some examples. Um, when the Wi-Fi is down and you have to use data, ugh, I don't even, I don't even have unlimited. I'm running, I'm running on limited bandwidth now. That is a first world problem. Having to reset the password on an account. Ugh, I got to get that email with the code in it. It's like a whole thing. <laughs> when your Amazon delivery takes three days, Three. I pay every year to get everything in two days. First world problem. Um, When you have to sit through two ads on YouTube that you're not allowed to skip. Or three. three. (laughs) First world problems. Um, Having to wait two more days for Starbucks to get pumpkin spice. Will I make it these two more days? I will not. I will not. You know the thing. First world problems are all about our comfort. They're all about what we have grown accustomed to. And when we lose the slightest bit of comfort, when our comfort is compromised in any small way, we have a big problem on our hands. John the Baptist was really good at something I wish I was better at. He was really good at prioritizing obedience to God over his own comfort. He ate bugs, remember? (laughs) He was very good at prioritizing obedience to God over his own comfort. He's a really great example for us. One time, Jesus asked John to do something that John did not feel comfortable at all doing. He did not feel comfortable or worthy of doing this thing. And it was something that feels like it would be right in the comfort zone of a man named John the Baptist. When Jesus asked him to baptize him, (laughs) he had some big problems in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. He's talking about this baptism that Jesus is going to do. He's like, I need that thing. You don't need me. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God ascending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. You might be familiar with this verse. We use it when we talk about the Trinity, when we talk about baptism, it's an important event. We don't often talk about John the Baptist's perspective here. I can't even imagine what it was like for John the Baptist to baptize the Messiah who He was close enough because it was his cousin, like this is the person he's close to, but also the savior of the universe. And he knew that. John the Baptist knew what he was getting into. Um, To be bound by your obedience to Jesus, but then so uncomfortable and feeling so unworthy of what he's asked you to do. As I was thinking about this earlier, that's where I started. I have no idea what this feels like. And then when I quantified it as being bound by your obedience to God, but super uncomfortable with what he's called you to do. I was like, oh, I kind of know exactly what that feels like. (laughs) I won't know what it's like to baptize Jesus. But I spent a lot of time being bound to my obedience to God, but not feeling worthy of what he's called me to do. That is something I'm very, very familiar with. Um, Because this is not just, none of us will baptize Jesus, but this is not just for John the Baptist. This is a bravery for all of us for all of us to be bound by our obedience to God, but feel unqualified for what he's called us to do. I've heard it said that God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. When he has something for you, he's gonna make you ready. Even if you don't feel like you're ready to do it, he's gonna make you ready to do what he has you to do. So, so we need to do this, the same thing that John the Baptist did and prioritize obedience to God over our comfort. Prioritize obedience to God over what we're comfortable with or what we feel like we should be doing. Prioritize obedience to God. How does that play out in your life? This is where we're going to spend some time in small groups where we can kind of think about what this means for us, but, but begin to you know, turn those wheels. What does this look like in your own life? Maybe God is calling you, what is God calling you to? Maybe it's something that you don't feel worthy of doing, that you feel unqualified to do. Maybe it's something that you don't quite have the bravery that you need to do. <laughs> that you need at this moment, you don't have quite enough bravery. Maybe it's something that's unappealing to you. Maybe it's something that seems unnatural to you because it's not quite in the gift set that you think you have. Maybe it's something that would require you to step up and grow a little bit. What are those things that God is calling you to? We're talking about following the example of John the Baptist and he was open to listening to the voice of God and he was very good at prioritizing obedience to God the voice of God over his own comfort, his own preferences. He was brave enough to do the right thing. We can learn from that bravery. John the Baptist spoke and served. He spoke about Jesus, he served Jesus, and finally, John the Baptist bravely sacrificed everything for Jesus. He bravely sacrificed for Jesus. I've talked in here before about what it costs to follow Jesus. It might cost you. It might cost you some friendships. It will definitely cost you some comfort. It will cost you some time and money. (laughs) Following Jesus is expensive, but it's worth it. I, for one, have never, though, been injured for my faith. I have never been thrown in prison for my faith. I have never been asked to sacrifice what John the Baptist would end up sacrificing. Let's look at Matthew 14. Fast forward here a little bit. I believe it's Matthew 4, not 14. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his his wife, Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. There's another family tree. But John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot. John had a following, and Herod didn't quite want to deal with that following right now. He was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he had said because of the vow he had made in front of his guests. He issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison and his head was brought out on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. We've had a violent couple of weeks here, huh? I don't know about you, but after spending all this time looking at John the Baptist's life, his ministry, his work, what he did for God, it like it hits me hard here when he dies. You know, um, after spending all that time with him, it, it matters when I read this. You know, if you read a, you know, a good book, you know, at the end you're. You're sad for the losses of the characters that you love. Uh, And I feel that way just, you know, studying this passage, these few passages about John the Baptist. But John the Baptist was willing to sacrifice for Jesus. He was willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus, even his life, because he was brave enough to do the right thing. Doing the right thing cost him his life, but he was brave enough to do it. And he's an example to remind us that we should be brave enough to do the right thing. Be brave enough to do the right thing. right thing. When I look at the bravery of John the Baptist, the way that he bravely spoke and served and sacrificed everything for Jesus, it inspires me to step up. It inspires me to, to look at what I'm doing for Jesus and to be brave enough to do the right thing, whatever that is in this moment, to be brave enough to do the right thing. It makes me ask questions of myself. Like, am I doing anything in my life that God is calling me to that requires bravery? requires me to step out of my comfort zone? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the scary thing that God has called me to do? In what ways can I challenge myself to bravely live out my faith for Jesus? John the Baptist challenges me to live for Jesus in a brave way, and I hope his life story challenges you as well. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for this example in John the Baptist, for what we can learn, for what we can take away, for the challenge that is laid before us to see this life of someone who spoke about you, who served you, who sacrificed everything for you. Father, help us to look at that example and be inspired and challenged to live a life where we are, we are brave enough to do the right thing, brave enough to do the uncomfortable thing, to do the thing you've called us to do, Father. Help us to live through that example, to live out uh, pursuing that example, So Father, help us tonight as we apply this in our lives. Help us to see what that thing is for us. What is the thing that you are calling us to be brave to do right now? God, help us to take that challenge and to live our lives dedicated to you. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.